Today's reading is taken from Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the Lord of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind, have, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of um, him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is the word of God. Thank you, Clarissa, for uh, praying. Thank you, uh, Ivy, for reading. Um, if you could keep, uh, yeah, your Bibles open uh, to... Uh, yeah, chap uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, sorry, uh, could you hit the next slide? going. <clears throat> so I will talk louder than this, so if there is a little bit of ringing, um, yeah. So, is the, is it not working, or not working? Yeah, ah, it's okay. Um, yeah, but if you could have your Bibles open, let me just pray uh, before we start. Um, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, uh, yeah, that we can come uh, and just worship you, Lord God. I thank you that you are a God uh, that loves us, Lord God, that you are a God that cares for us, Lord God, that you are a God that sets us free. Um, Lord, I pray, yeah, um, as, as we open your words, that you would speak to us, Lord God, that these words would not be my words, uh, Lord, but that they would be uh, your uh, words. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So, uh, I have a question for you. Oh, what is the last sports movie you guys have ever seen? 
you're thinking of a movie, right? Any inspirational sports movie, they pretty much all have the same plot, right? It could be Hoosers, uh, which is uh, a basketball movie. It could, I also think of The Miracle, which is a hockey movie, right? I'm also thinking of, oh, maybe it's Remember the Titans, which is an American football movie. Um, actually, the movie that really comes uh, to mind here for me is um, is Rocky. Do you guys remember this movie, Rocky? Um, is it there? Is it where? Working? No, it's still not working. That's okay. Yeah, uh, the movie Rocky, Rocky Two. Now, those of you I know uh, who are younger, you probably don't know this movie. It did come out in the 70s, okay? But if you've seen any sports movie, any sports movie at all, it's pretty much the same, okay? Rocky is this boxer, and he's the underdog, right? And Rocky Two, here you see him fight his rival, right? They want this rematch, right? And, and you don't think it's going to happen for Rocky's fighting this professional, and what happens is, is you get to the end of the movie, okay, the end of the movie, and, and at this point, it's his last, right, um, it's, it's the fight, it's the big fight, and what happens is there are 14 rounds in boxing, I don't know if you know this, there are 14 rounds, and you just see Creed pummel, pummel him, pummel Rocky to the ground, right, he's barely making it, Right, and you think it's over. There's no way he's gonna make this comeback, no way at all, but what happens? It comes into round 15, and actually Creed doesn't have to do anything. He has so many points, he's going to win it, right? But he's a little cocky and he wants to knock him out. And what happens? You see this moment, this moment where, where he's just powered by something in him and he just goes and he starts right fighting back and he goes and all of a sudden, one punch and Creed is knocked out on the floor and Rocky wins and it's this victorious moment. You see, it's so amazing, right? That is what Paul is doing here in chapter 8, right? We've gone through chapter 1 through 7, and it seems like we've been pummeled to the ground, right? It seems from chapter 1 where we've rebelled against God all the way to last week, right? Where we see where that we struggle so much with sin, and it seems like there is no hope. And then Paul comes to chapter 8, the climax of the book, and he says, look, there is hope. There is hope. And you see in this first part of chapter 8 that we have freedom through the Spirit, that he brings freedom to us, and we see it really in three ways. The first is that the Spirit sets us free from condemnation. The Spirit sets us free from condemnation, right? We see this in verses 1 to 4, right? Read with me in your Bibles. Look, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, this punishment that came from sin 
is now gone. If we are in Christ Jesus, if we believe in him, it is now gone, right? This struggle that we go through, right, the, of sin, right, is now gone. Actually, the only, the, this, this word condemnation is used three times in Romans. And the other time, if you guys remember where it is, it's in chapter 5 when it talks about how through one man, sin came. Condemnation came. Through one man, right, condemnation came. Right, this is in ver uh, chapter 5, verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin, the judgment followed by one sin, and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. You see, we, we see this that oh, because one sin, we deserve the penalty of death for our sin. Yet God made a way and now there is no condemnation for us who believe in Christ. How? how why? Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You see, we are being set free by the Spirit. That is how we have no condemnation. We are being constantly set free of, from this law, the law of sin and death that hold us. How is this done? Again in verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do. The law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Uh, what does it mean by likeness of sinful flesh? Now, we know that Jesus was sin sinless, right? He had no sin. Probably what a better translation is um, what God did by sending his own son in the form of, in the form of sinful flesh, where we have bodies, right, that decay, right, that, that are like this, in this, again, this picture of this sin offering. If you guys remember in the Old Testament when people sinned, what, it, what happened is, um, what happened is, is that they would, they would, they would bring this goat, right, or, or, or this lamb, and it would be slaughtered, and all their sins would be put on this, this goat, right? That is what Christ has done for each and every one of us. This is what Christ did when he went on the cross, when he died for our sin. All of our sin was put onto him. That is why we now have no condemnation if we are in Christ uh, Jesus. That is why we have no condemnation. Um, and verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Um, right, that righteous requirement that the law couldn't get us there, the law could, failed to bring us there. Yeah, um, that the law failed to get um, us there. Uh, it it, it um, was done through Christ, through the freedom of Christ. Um, 
sorry, I uh, kind of lost my place, right? There is now no condemnation, right? What does this mean? What does this mean uh, for you guys, right? My question really to you is, is are you still living as though you are condemned by God? Are you still living as though you're condemned by God? I think there's this misconception. There's this misconception that it is something that's just going to happen in the future, right? It's something that's just going to happen in the future. But if you look in Romans 8, it says there is now. Paul makes an emphasis on now. There is now no condemnation, right? And it is nothing that we do. It is everything that Christ does, right? And because of that, we are being set free. How many times do you walk around in, in this false um, thought, right, where the devil really uses our own guilt, our own shame against us to tell us, how can God possibly love you? How could God possibly do anything for you? Look at all these things that you've done. How could God possibly use you? Look at your past. But see, if we realize that it is nothing that we do, that it is God, right, who, who cleanses us, who saves us, how differently would we live? How would we then treat others? How would we see others? Not in a condemning way, but in, an, in a way of, wow, God loves that person. I should go and reach out to them. Maybe you are sitting here today, maybe you're sitting here today, and you've never taken that step to truly believe this. Maybe you have thought, I have done so many things, I am such a sinner, there's no hope for me. Do you know that Christ has already made a way for you on the cross? Actually, he's already paid for everything that you have done on, um, on the cross you just need to go to him and believe. There is now no condemnation. There is now no condemnation for anything that you've done if you believe in him. If that is you, I would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. You see, the Spirit sets us free from condemnation. The Spirit also, um, the Spirit also brings us freedom in life, brings us freedom in our life. And we really see this in verses 5 to um, 8. If you read with me, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. See, here Paul moves on and, and he, here he describes, he describes what does it look like if you are not a Christian and you were to follow your own, your, your, your fleshly desires? And what does it look like if you are a believer and you follow the Spirit? Here he describes what it looks like, right? Those, again, who live according to the flesh, here this word flesh means their will, the things that control them. And in and, and the flesh, what happens? Their minds are set on these fleshly desires, this selfishness, right? Those who, who don't realize do not have Christ, right? Their, our natural, natural being is to follow what their heart desires, what the world tells them 
this, this is what is good. You should do it. This will benefit you. Their mind is set on these things, and then their actions then to reflect that. Whereas those, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on whose desires, not our desires, not selfish desires, but the Spirit's desires, right? It's, it's this different thought, this different um, process, right? It has echoes of 2 Corinthians where it says to take captive of every thought or, or of Philippians where, where it talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble. Think about these things or even better yet in Colossians where it says to set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see, because again in verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The more that people focus on themselves, the more that they focus on these things, what happens? It causes them to sin. It causes them to sin more, and thus it brings them to a place of death, right? Whereas for us that believe in the Spirit that allows the Spirit to in, in take over our lives, well, this brings us life, not just eternal life, but it also brings us peace. It brings us to the place that God wanted us to be, the person that God had originally designed us to be. We are changed and brought back to that place. We allow him to do this. See, why is it that those, um, who, um, those who follow flesh cannot um, uh, be at peace in life? Well, it's because the mind governed by the flesh, verse 7, is hostile to God, right? It's kind of an echo back to chapter 21, right? Uh, chapter, not 20, chapter 1, right, where it, we see people reject God. Even though they, they know there might be evidence that he's there, they still decide, I'm going to reject him. And God says, I'll just let them go into the way of the world, right? They cannot submit to God's law. They cannot submit, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. Are we allowing the Spirit to change our lives for the better? It's my question to you. Maybe a better question is when we are faced with certain situations, I don't know about you, but as a believer, when I'm faced with certain situations, usually there is something in my heart that prompts me and says, Rhoda, I don't think that that's the right thing. There's something innate in me that says, no, when you're approaching this topic, or when you're approaching right, uh, this decision, or when you're approaching this person, I don't think that that's the right way to do it. And in that moment, when we have that moment, if we have the spirit, are we listening? Are we listening to the spirit, that desire of the spirit? Or do we go, no, but this is better for me. I'm going to do it the way that the world does it. And are we following our, our fleshly desire? Or in those moments, do we go, hmm, what does it say? Let me open the word and pray about this, read about it. Let me, let me go ask a pastor, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I've been really convicted about this. What do you think about this? Or do we bring it to our links group and say, hey, guys, I'm really struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Because if we allow the spirit to change us, that is what brings us life and peace. Um, 
one of the uh, greatest ministries I've ever uh, been a, a part of is uh, Celebrate Recovery. Um, this is a 12-step uh, program for those that are addicted to um, alcohol or drugs. Um, and I, I, I was, I, I was, um, I'm very, um, sorry, uh, I, I was, I'm, it really is such a great ministry. I think the thing is the people in the church didn't see it as a good ministry because they didn't see it bring fruit to their church, right? They would say, oh, there's this ministry, but none of those guys seem to come to our church. See, this is the amazing thing about the Spirit. The reason why these people didn't come to our church is not because they were not changed by the Spirit. In fact, it was the opposite. You see, in Celebrate Recovery, what it's, a, it's heavily Christian-based. Every single step is based on a, a verse. And as they were changed, as the Lord changes their lives, as the Spirit came into their life, what would happen is when it came to different aspects of their life, like their family, who they were now estranged from, who they had left, who had left them, well, when it came to them, they felt convicted. I need to go reconcile with my wife and my children. And the reason why they didn't come to our church is because, well, they went and they went and, and they, they reconciled with their family. And they went over to their family, gave up everything that they had where they were, and went to be with their family. And their whole family went to church. See, that is only possible with the, the power of the Spirit, with the Spirit that, that is in them. It is only possible that because the Spirit dwells in us. The Spirit dwells in us. If you look in verse 9 to 11, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You Christians are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his Spirit who lives in you. You see, we have this spirit that dwells in us. It, that is how we are able to be changed, right? This Actually, this connotation here, the way Paul is putting it, is, is, is as if you were inviting someone into your house to dwell with you, to live in your house, right? This is the idea here. This is how, right, we are changed through the Spirit, right? This is how we have no condemnation, right? This is how we are able to overcome the sins uh, of the flesh, right, that, that we struggle with so much, right? And if you think about it right here, you see this kind of this future, this idea, right, where we have this, um, this Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, who will also raise us from the dead, that power, that spirit, Christ is living and dwelling in us. John Piper puts it this way. It's like if you have a house and you have an empty room, 
right? And you invite someone to live in this room with you, right? Um, he'll make space for that person. Right? We allow the spirit to come into our hearts. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever had roommates. But your roommates, as you live with them, as you interact with them, right, they start to, to influence you in many different ways. Right? I, I've had many roommates. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but I, I say cool beans a lot now. I never used to say cool beans. This I got from my roommate. I never used to love watching Jane Austen movies or any kind of movies like this, but my roommate loved watching these things, so we watched it, and now I really like these kinds of movies, right? My roommate influenced us. That is what happens when we allow the Spirit to make room in our hearts. This is what happens when we allow the Spirit to influence us. This is how we are able to overcome these things. It's with the Spirit that is in us. Let me end uh, with this uh, imagery for you today, right? Um, I don't know if you, I'm sure many of you have flown before, right? What is stopping us from flying right now? Gravity. Gravity is stopping us from flying right now. But what happens when we get on a plane? You see, this plane has the power, has this power with the engines to thrust us into the air and fly and soar. It's not that gravity is no longer there, right? It's not that gravity is no longer there, but we are able to fly and, and overcome gravity through the power of the plane. That is what it is like when we have the spirit, so we still struggle with sin. Sin is still there. But through the power of the Spirit, the Spirit is like this plane that allows us to push through and break through this, the sin and the weight of sin so that we can fly and soar and become more and more like who God wanted us to be. That is the power of the Spirit that is in us, that is changing us. Uh, let us pray. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you that you are a God that frees us, that you are, are a, a God who, who um, frees us of this condemnation, Lord, that frees us um, in our lives, Lord God, who, who dwells in us and is, is ever-changing us. Lord, I pray as we go out that people would see that we are your people, that we would people would see that you are ever-present in our lives. I pray that we would continue to grow uh, in your word and your spirit. Lord, I pray all of this uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, amen.